You can also visit us online at www.hiswordheals.com. We have purposely in the past avoided doing any programs regarding calendars. We don't usually even discuss calendars except with those that we know are mature enough to be able to discuss in love and agree to disagree if we ultimately find that we do disagree. However, I believe Abba has been nudging us towards taking on this subject for the past many weeks now in various not-too-subtle ways. The subject specifically of the Zadokite calendar, formerly known as the Enochian calendar, has kept coming up over and over again from different people and in a variety of ways. The last straw, which convinced us to do a more in-depth study to see if perhaps we were wrong with regard to this subject, was a recent series of videos by a well-known Hebraic Roots teacher. This video proposed that this Zadokite calendar is the correct calendar to follow. In today's message, we will be sharing what we found during our more in-depth study over these past weeks, and we will be heavy on scriptural evidence and very light on opinion and conjecture. Toward the end of this program, however, we will also share scripturally our thoughts on the possible dangers of incorrect calendars. Please listen to all of the evidence which we provide in this message. First, we will outline some proposed quote-unquote facts taught about the Zadokite calendar as compared to the traditional Hillel or Jewish calendar, which is based upon mathematical calculations with regard to the new moon and the sun cycles. The Hillel or historic Jewish biblical calendar is ultimately based upon a calculated sighted moon schedule figured in advance and has been relied upon for almost 2,000 years in an attempt to keep the Jewish people united during the diaspora around the world with regard to biblical feast observances. The Jewish Hillel reckoning of the calendar can be off of the actual cited moon calendar by a day or so some months due either to miscalculation or because the rabbis purpose that certain feast days not to occur on certain days of the week. We aren't going into why here, but in those cases, the calendar could be off by a day from the sighted moon. However, the actual sighted moon calendar is also not always completely accurate. We are not arguing for or against the Hillel calendar as opposed to the sighted moon calendar or vice versa here, which ultimately are the same loony solar calendar, though they may or may not line up perfectly depending on the month or year. Again, both of these calendar reckonings use both the sun and the moon. The sun by adding an extra month or 13th month to the year as needed to keep the feasts in the correct season of the year and the moon to calculate the actual months. Contrast this to the Islamic calendar, which is only a lunar calendar, and therefore their holy days move around to all different seasons over the course of years. Contrast both of these to our current secular Gregorian calendar, which is strictly solar. 
a solar calendar of 365 days per year and adding one extra day every four years as a leap day to keep the months in the proper seasons. As you know, the 12 months are not based upon the moon cycles at all and can have between 28 and 31 days just because whomever set it up wanted it that way with no basis in the cycles of the sun, moon, or stars. Likewise, the Zadokite or Enochian calendar is also strictly a solar-based calendar based solely upon the Earth's rotation around the sun without regard to the moon's cycles at all. This calendar is ultimately based upon what can be read in the book of Enoch where he was taken into the heavenlies to see the circuit of the sun, moon, and stars. He was also taken to a place where he then sees some stars that were being punished for not moving as they were commanded, and this is also before Noah's flood. So some conjecture that before the flood and or before some heavenly bodies rebelled, the moon's and sun's cycles were more uniform with 30 days for every month and a total of only 360 days per solar year or the earth's rotation around the sun. This would seem to match up with some prophetic timelines in scripture such as the 1260 days of revelation matching with 42 months and the 1290 days of Daniel also being divisible by a 30-day time period. However, just because that may have been the Earth's cycle around the sun, and the moon may have had a regular 30-day cycle, doesn't mean that we are supposed to be observing that calendar now when that is not the case. The solution that the Zedekites, or whomever wrote the calendar that was in the Dead Sea Scrolls, came up with in order to use 30-day months and yet keep the seasons in the proper place was to have four seasons of three 30-day months each totally removed from the moon's cycles and then to add an additional day at the end of each of the four seasons, spring, winter, summer, and fall. That brings the total yearly days to 364 and attempts to keep every feast day on the same day of the week every year. However, there are 365 and a quarter days in a solar year, so there also had to be a way to adjust for that lost one and a quarter days over the course of many years. Otherwise, the seasons would again end up skewed and the feasts would be in the wrong place. So in essence, the so-called Zadokite or Enochian calendars are not flawless either and must be tweaked by man to stay on course, yet they have totally thrown out the moon's cycle and have gone totally to a solar calendar as those who also worship the sun, in essence a totally solar calendar or sun-worshiping calendar. We are now going to show you what we believe to be scriptural evidence that a strictly solar calendar is an error with regard to the timing of the biblical feast cycles and events, hence the biblical calendar. In other words, we believe the scriptures call for a loony solar calendar using both the sun and the moon cycles reckoning regardless of what the original cycles at creation were. But first, just a little additional information on the Zadokite, quote-unquote, calendar observance, which is attributed to a calendar scroll found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Some teachers and scholars credit this scroll, as well as the rest of the Dead Sea Scrolls, to a group called the Essenes. 
and the writers of some of the scrolls recognize themselves as the true Zadokite priests, which they may or may not be. We have no way of knowing whether they were or just considered themselves to be due to the fact that the Jerusalem priesthood had become corrupted. We do know that, linguistically, the Sadducees in the temple may actually have been some of the Zadokite priests. The name Sadducees is actually a rendering of Zadokis, according to some. Therefore, because we don't know for sure who the Qumran inhabitants were, nor do we know who actually wrote the scrolls, especially the calendar scroll, we are going to base our reckoning of the calendar upon Scripture itself. What does Scripture say about the biblical calendar? Are we to use the sun and the moon, or just the sun? One last interesting fact about the Essenes and or the inhabitants of Qumran, some Christian scholars also propose the possibility that John the Baptist was part of the Essene sect and that they were among the first believers in Yeshua Messiah. These suppositions are partially based upon some similarities which the Dead Sea Scroll writings have to Christian doctrine in the New Testament. Let's look at just a few of these similarities with the disclaimer that I have not read the Dead Sea Scrolls myself, though I have listened to most of a 13-hour scholarly lecture, which I highly recommend and will put a link to below this message. In any case, we can only go by what others say are in the scrolls, since, for the most part, none of us, even if we had the time, can read and interpret them for ourselves. This in itself is a whole nother problem with putting too much faith in fragments found in a cave in the desert, especially when what they are purported to say is in opposition to what actual scripture says. The Dead Sea Scroll calendar that the group at Qumran were observing, again, was a solar-only calendar, just as the current Christian calendar is the secular solar calendar. The Essenes, many, if not most of them, according to Josephus and a couple other sources, likely taught or practiced celibacy and not to marry. So does the Catholic priesthood and monastic Christianity. Hmm. If they were indeed Zadokite priests, wouldn't they have needed to procreate since the priesthood was passed from fathers to actual sons? Also found in the Dead Sea Scrolls was the fact that this group, whoever they were, may have been vegetarians, and according to some, may have believed the animal sacrifices of the temple to be made up and not part of the instructions given to Moses in the wilderness. Again, I have no way of knowing if this is what the residents of Qumran or the Essenes actually believed, but can only go by what some others have said. Yeshua ate at least fish, and the teachings in both the Old and New Testaments all say that there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood, and that covenants are sealed by the shedding of blood. We can see that a whole lot of questions are not completely answerable with regards to who lived in Qumran, and who the Essenes were, and what they actually believed. So, what does the Bible say about the calendar we are to use for observing the biblical feasts? The first and most important thing to note with regard to the calendar in use in the second temple, which was a lunisolar or moon and sun calendar with months based on the sighted moon cycles, is that in Scripture, in the New Testament, Yeshua never mentioned the calendar in use as being incorrect. 
He certainly was not afraid to correct or point out the errors of the Jewish leadership in the temple, but never mentioned the calendar. As far as we can tell from scripture, he also went to the temple on and observed the dates that were being observed there without one peep about them being incorrect. He even allowed himself to be crucified as the Passover lamb on the Passover date being observed in the temple. If he was indeed part of this Essene group and or John the Baptist was part of the Qumran supposed Zadokite priesthood observing a strictly solar calendar that would not have matched up with the calendar at the temple, wouldn't Yeshua have said something? From what I've read, the writers of the scroll containing this proposed Zadokite calendar stated they were observing it in opposition to what they believed to be an incorrect or corrupted calendar being administered by an illegitimate priesthood in Jerusalem. Whether the priesthood had been usurped by impostors or not, or corrupted priests, Yeshua still observed the calendar in use without opposition, correction, or comment. We are to walk even as he walked. Next, let's look at some scriptural evidence supporting a lunisolar combo biblical calendar. Here's one most of you probably know very well. Genesis 1, 14-18 And Elohim said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and so it was. And Elohim made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. The word for seasons in this passage is Moedim, which of course means appointed times, the festivals or feasts, the divinely appointed biblical feast days. So the lights in the firmament, i.e. the heavenly bodies, are to reckon not only the days and years, but also the appointed festivals. Okay, so then at least the sun is used to reckon the appointed time, but the inference here is that both the greater and lesser lights are for these purposes. There are a few words in scripture that are translated as moon and or month, at least on occasion. H3394 in the Strong's, Yerach, which is from the same as H3391, Yerach, both pointing to the moon or lunation, light from the moon. Then we also have H2320, Kodesh, which the Strong's says means the new moon, by implication a month, and is from H2318, Kadash, which means to renew. Both of the words Kodesh and Yurak are sometimes translated as moon and sometimes as month. And since the lesser light of Genesis 1.16 is not named, we have no way of knowing which word for moon would have been used there. Adherence to the Zadokite solar-only calendar believe Kodesh is translated as moon in error and should only be translated as month. This would seem as though it could be supported in Scripture because the first word in Scripture that is translated as moon is Genesis 37.9 with regard to the moon in Joseph's dream bowing down to him and this word is H3394, Yurak. And this is also the first time Yurak appears in Scripture. Then the first word in Scripture that is translated as month is H2320, Kodesh. 
and this is also the first time Kodesh itself appears in Scripture, and that is in Genesis 7:11, with regard to Noah's 600th year in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month, when the fountains of the deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. However, it is interesting to note that this is also when many believe the earth tilted on its axis and the length of the seasons and years were changed. Let's see if their theory that Kodesh should only be translated as month with no relationship to the moon holds up in scripture. Consider Exodus 2.2 with regards to Moses' birth and says, The woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. If the word Kodesh for months was completely detached from the moon cycle as suggested, then we would assume the word translated as month here for a time period of three would be Kodesh, right? But it's not. The word here translated as months is Urakim, the plural form of H3391, Urak, and could be appropriately read, when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three moons. If the moon cycles were not months, why would this time period be reckoned as three moons or three cycles of the moon, rather than Kodesh, three months? Job 3.6 also refers to a number of moons, Urakim. I'll let you read that for yourselves, but why are moons being numbered or counted here? Likewise, Deuteronomy 21.13, Why are women captured in war to be allowed to bewail their mother and father for a full moon, Yurok cycle, rather than a Kodesh month, if moons are not months? 2 Kings 15.13 says, Shalom, the son of Jabesh, began to reign in the nine and thirtieth year of Uzziah, king of Judah, and he reigned a full Yurok, moon, translated month here, in Samaria. And of course, this is translated as he reigned a full month, but it says a full Yurok, or moon. Scripture just does not support separating the month from the moon. See also Zechariah 11.8 and Job 29.2, which both equate the moon, Yurok, with a reckoning of time known as a month, a monthly or moon cycle. If you aren't convinced yet, there's more. 1 Kings 6 verses 37 and 38 say, In the fourth year was the foundation of the house of Yahweh laid. This would be the first temple before Babylonian captivity. The foundation of the temple was laid in the month of Ziph. The word here for month is, you guessed it, Yurok not Kodesh, so it could be read in the moon of Zeph. Continuing, verse 38 says, And in the eleventh year, in the month, again Yurok, or moon, of Bull, which is the eighth month. Month here is Kodesh. Bam! Right here we have scripture equating the moon, Yurok, of Bull, as being the eighth month, or Kodesh. The moon is equated with a month of time. 1 Kings 8.2 likewise says, And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King Solomon at the feast in the month, Urok, or moon, of Ethanim, 
which is the seventh Kodesh month. Monthly time periods were therefore reckoned in the first temple period by moon cycles. Urach the moon is equated with Kodesh the month. Lastly, it can get no plainer or clearer than Psalms 104.19, which says he, Yahweh, of course, appointed the moon, Urach, here, H3394 again, not Kodesh, for seasons, Moedim, and the sun knows it's going down. Therefore, the calendars should definitely be reckoned using months determined by the cycles of the moon, Urach, for our appointed times along with the sun and not by the sun alone. So why is it important which calendar reckoning we use, whether it be a solar alone or a lunisolar calendar? If we are doing the feasts, what does it matter anyway, right? We believe it matters because he told us from the beginning that they, the sun and the moon and the stars, are also for signs as well as seasons or moedim. Signs meaning signs of the times, omens, so that we recognize the biblical times we live in. That is why the enemy wants our calendars all messed up, so that he can then deceive us with regards to the times that we live in and the biblical events that are unfolding within those times, especially the end times great deception. We are told not to walk in darkness lest we be deceived. The sun and the moon are the greater and lesser lights. These are the lights we are to look at for the signs we need in order to not walk in darkness in relation to the end time events. Daniel 7.25 tells us of the anti-Messiah or end times man of lawlessness that he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints or set apart ones of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And the word for times here is zamanin, meaning appointed occasion, which would obviously be the Aramaic equivalent of the Hebrew word moedim, pointed times. So why would the Messiah or man of lawlessness want to change the times appointed in order to deceive the set-apart ones who are observing these times? Here is another reason the enemy has always and will continue to mess with Yahweh's calendar and therefore also appointed times. Consider Jeremiah 31 verses 35 and 36, which say, Thus says Yahweh, which gives the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon, Urach, and of the stars for a light by night, which divides the sea when the waves thereof roar. Yahweh of hosts is his name. If those ordinances, including and especially the ordinances of the moon for light by night, hence light in the darkness, if those ordinances depart from before me, says Yahweh, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Wow. If the man of sin can do away with or change the ordinances of the sun and the moon, then he thinks he can cause Israel to cease to be a nation. No wonder the Jews in the temple and the Jewish religion that came out of the second temple destruction have always kept both the sun and the moon as markers for their calendar observances. As grafted in branches to the tree and spiritual nation of Israel, Shouldn't we do likewise? 
Perhaps we should stop messing with the calendar and unite with our brother Judah in doing the best we can to preserve the biblical calendar as defined in Scripture. Even though all of Judah's eyes have not yet been opened to who Yeshua truly is, yet they have done a pretty good job of preserving the calendar and keeping the Jewish people in the diaspora around the world united in biblical feast observances. Considering the many unknowns with regard to the calendar scroll found among the Dead Sea Scrolls and who actually wrote it and why, should we really let that single scroll outweigh and nullify actual scripture? We must all prayerfully decide that answer for ourselves. Blessings and shalom to all of you and everyone in your home. No longer bound by fear, his kingdom's drawing near, this is our time to arrive.